Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Soul Patrol, brothers and sisters in Christ, good morning. My name is Jesse Romero. This is the Monday Jesus 911. I was in Chicago all last week doing a parish mission. And as you know, on Mondays, I focus on an aspect of the Catholic faith, showing you how great the Catholic Church is, how amazing the Catholic Church is. I will do that today in segment three and four. Just want to remind you that the month of March is dedicated to St. Joseph. The entire month falls during the liturgical season of Lent, which is represented by the liturgical color purple. And uh, we had a great time here. I was told by, I was in Chicago flying back. I wasn't able to come. St. Philip Neri Comedy Festival that was on Saturday, March 11th over the weekend at Vertucio Farms where you had a bunch of Catholic stand-up comedians. <clears throat> I heard it was an, a, a success. I heard uh, it was fun wise, Fun was had by all. So thanks uh, to Steve Garone for putting that on. Thank you, Steve. God bless you. It's, uh, I'm glad to be in your network of friends. So today I want to talk about two aspects. <clears throat> the first aspect I want to talk about is... A lot of people are mon- are under the misimpression that we have to give blind obedience to our clergy. That's not Catholic. That's not true. So, I want to share with you <clears throat> from one of the great <clears throat> uh, spiritual writers of the church, the spirit, the saints, Saint Anthony Mary Claret. He was the founder of the Claretians. I just finished reading a book called The Golden Key to Heaven. Finished reading it over the weekend. It's been sitting on my shelf for years. <laughs> and uh, on, my, on the plane ride, that's what I did. I just read this book. And uh, first of all, let me tell you, when a saint writes something, <clears throat> we, need to take, we need to pay attention to it. Because here's, here's what the Magisterium says back in 1955. It says about St. Anthony Mary Claret or any saint writing a book that's got an imprimatur from the church and a censor liborum. It says, <clears throat> this author, St. Anthony Mary Claret, is a canonized saint to the Catholic Church. All his writings, including this one, have undergone a most rigorous examination and have been deemed by the authorities of the First See of the Church of Rome, the mistress and mother of all other churches, to be in conformity with Catholic truth. So I want to share, what, I want to share with you what he says about should we give blind obedience to the clergy? And the answer is no. But let me let you let me let you hear what he has to say. This uh, this saint that was deep in the interior life, and he was one of those masters of the interior life. Here's what he says in regards to the question about should we give blind obedience to our clergy? <clears throat> this is Saint Anthony Mary Claret, the founder of the Claritians. It says. <clears throat> By word and example of Jesus Christ has chosen to teach this virtue of obedience. Oh, what a wonderful advantage a soul has which acts with obedience in everything. An exception would be what opposes God's law, for that is sinful. And one who commands sin does not represent God, but Satan. Did you hear that? <laughs> 
so it's talking even about a clergy. One who commands sin does not represent God, but Satan. And he's talking about Catholic clergy here, St. Anthony Mary Claret. <clears throat> he continues, he says, as St. Peter said, we ought to obey God, we ought to be, we ought to obey God rather than men, Acts 5.29. Thus, we must not obey civil authorities if they command us to do something that is against the law of God. For example, many Nazi officers were rightly condemned to punishment at the Nuremberg trials after World War II, even though these officers claimed that they were merely obeying the orders of their superiors. No one may break the law of God claiming obedience to human superiors. What is true in the civil order also holds true within the church. A Catholic has a duty to resist orders from, from church superiors, even from the highest authorities, if they command anything contrary to the traditional teaching and practice of the church. In sacred scripture, Paul, in Galatians 2.11, upbraided Peter, the first pope, to his face because he walketh not in truth. Close quote. St. Thomas Aquinas, basing himself on this scriptural passage, speaks of the duty for an inferior to resist a, and correct a superior who commands anything contrary to the law of Christ. That's in the Summa Theologica. Likewise, the great theologian, Cardinal Juan de Torquemada, who died in 1468, citing the doctrine of Pope Innocent III, says that even if the Pope should command something that is incompatible with the law of Christ, then that Pope must not be blindly obeyed. Cardinal Torquemada writes, quote, by obedience, oh, excuse me, quote, by disobedience, the Pope can separate himself from Christ despite the fact that he is the head of the church. For above all, the unity of the church is dependent on its relationship with Christ. The Pope can separate himself from Christ either by disobeying the law of Christ or by commanding something that is against the divine or natural law. By doing so, the Pope separates himself from the body of the church because the, the body is itself linked to Christ by obedience. In this way, the Pope could, without doubt, fall into schism. Especially is this true with regard to the divine liturgy, as for example, if he did not wish personally to follow the universal customs and rites of the church, thus it is that Pope Innocent III states that it is necessary to obey the Pope in all things as long as he himself does not go against the universal customs of the church. But should the Pope go against the universal customs of the church, he need not be followed. Close quote. That's Pope Innocent III wrote that. Many other saints and theologians, including St. Robert Bellarmine, <clears throat> in, uh, teach the, the same important distinction in regard to true obedience. <clears throat> Let me flip over here another section of St. Anthony's in paragraph... Uh, page 192, he says this, Since obedience is the tool used by enemies infiltrated into the church to destroy her from within, it must be noted that church superiors have limited jurisdiction. So if a superior commands something beyond his jurisdiction, even if it is not sinful in itself, one does not sin by refusing the order, even if it is against the wishes or orders of the person who is one superior in other matters. In this matter, 
Since he does not have jurisdiction, he is not a superior. This is clearly the teaching of the church. By promulgating the Code of Canon Law, wherein the limits of jurisdiction are spelled out, the church clearly teaches who has authority in what matters. Moralists would further point out that some disobedience is not always a mortal sin. So, St. Anthony Mary Claret is just once again reaffirming that obedience is not blind, that uh, obedience to a clergy is absolutely not blind. So two of the points that he makes, that if somebody, a priest, a bishop, or a pope, teaches something that is contrary to the teach- to the Catholic faith, you don't have to follow him, that teaching. You could oppose him. For example, I'll just, I'll just give you an example. <clears throat> um, it, the Pope who wrote in Amoris, Amoris Laetitiae, in the footnotes, that a person without the benefit of an, an annulment in a second marriage, that if they, in their heart, you know, this is called the fundamental option theory, saying, I love God, even though you still have sin, you haven't, you haven't repented of that sin or, or, or amended your life, but you just love God, the fundamental option theory. You know, as long as somebody loves God in their heart, they can still receive Holy Communion. No, that you can't. And so on that, on that teaching, I, we have to go back to what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. St. Paul says that anybody who receives the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ unworthily eats and drinks to their own condemnation. So again, the Pope, a bishop, or a priest cannot change the teachings of the Bible, cannot change the teachings of the magisterium. If they say something contrary to the magisterium, you just disregard it. It's not church teaching. The second area that St. Anthony Mary Claret is talking about is if a priest, bishop, or a pope would, would talk about something that they're not an expert in. You don't have to pay attention. For example, if the pope starts talking about the environment or global warming, that's his opinion. We respect his opinion. You don't have to follow him. He has no authority in, the, in those areas. So those are the two areas that St. Anthony Mary Claret talks about. <clears throat> when a priest, bishop, or pope says something that's against the perennial teachings of the church. For example, the pope told a kid a while back ago, uh, Holy Father, my, my dad is, or my friend's an atheist. Is my, my friend in heaven? And the pope said, just off the cuff, yeah, your, your friend's in heaven. <clears throat> inferring that atheists go to heaven. Well, that's not what the Bible says. That was just, again, this is an off-the-cuff remark. That was his opinion. The Bible says, uh, it says that in the book of Hebrews, it says uh, <clears throat> about atheism, for without faith in God, for, for without faith, it is impossible to please God. Hebrews chapter 11, for without faith, it is impossible to please God. That's what I mean when the when, when the Holy Father says make statements in these interviews that are against Catholic teaching, disregard them. Those are his opinions. Saint Anthony Mary Claret tells us disregard them. You don't have to listen to them. Okay, Jesus nine one one, one man car riding solo. Who's riding shotgun with me? Holy Spirit. All right, we'll be right back. Now, back to Jesus 911. 
If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Soul Patrol Jesus 911. Just finished giving you the thoughts of some of the great minds of the church, one of them being St. Anthony Mary Claret, who in a book called The Golden Key to Heaven cites all the giants of the church like St. Thomas Aquinas and many others, Pope Innocent III. And he talks about the fact that you don't give your blind obedience to clergy. There are two exceptions. Now, of course, we're supposed to obey our clergy. That's in the Bible, Luke 10, 16. That's all over the scriptures. Except when the clergy, that's priest, bishop, or pope, teach something that goes against the perennial teachings of the church, i.e. sacred scripture, sacred tradition, and the magisterium. For example, and Father James Martin says that, uh, you know, uh, homosexuals should be uh, should be receive a blessing at mass. No, that's absolutely wrong. And when he advocates that that uh, homosexual lifestyle, that there's nothing wrong with it, that we should accept it, he's wrong. So again, when a when a priest, bishop, or pope teaches something against the parental teachings of the church, then you have to dismiss it. Don't pay attention. Okay, uh, you 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 don't have to accept it because we don't give blind obedience to anybody but God. We give obedience to our clergy. Absolutely, we give obedience to our clergy when they're giving us the deposit of faith. They're teaching us the perennial teachings of the Catholic Church that have been taught for the last 2,000 years. When they come up with novelty or innovations in, in, in an interview with some atheists or some journalists, and they say something that doesn't square with Catholic teaching, then you disregard it. For example, when the Pope talks about global warming or climate change or the environment, or you know, or, or cleaning the ocean from plastic. He's not an expert in those areas. You can okay, respectfully listen to what he has to say, and you can come to your own conclusion. He's not an expert in those areas. He's not an expert on on on, on politics, and and in so many other areas that he weighs in on. And so again, that's the teachings of the saints of the Catholic Church that we don't have to give blind. See, obedience yes to our clergy. Blind obedience no. That's not Catholic. Because then we fall under the condemnation of what our Lord says. He says the blind are leading the blind and they're going to you know, fall into a they're going to fall into a ditch. We don't want to do that. OK, <clears throat> remember on Mondays, I, I generally talk about the greatness of the Catholic faith. <clears throat> Last week, <clears throat> I started talking about the fact that there is no other religion on planet Earth that has produced so many great scientists like the Roman Catholic Church. Our church stands head and shoulders above any other religion when it comes to the quantity and quality of scientists that we have produced on planet Earth. Before I continue talking about the list of lace Catholic scientists and their their major breakthroughs, let me say something about science in general, how science and religion relate to one another. Some people think that there's a conflict between science and religion. There is no conflict between science and religion. Why? Because all truth comes from God. Scientific truth and religious truth comes from the same source, God. Many scientists have an anti-supernatural bias Only what can be really seen is real. That's what they say. Only what can be seen, you know, with the eyeball is real. 
<clears throat> these are called materialists. Materialists believe that nothing, that nothing but matter matters. Okay. Yeah. Materialists think that nothing but matter matters. They think that if you cannot see it, hear it, taste it, touch it, or smell it, it does not exist. But there's a medieval axiom in Catholicism, which goes like this, quote, God is known in his effects. God is known in his effects, close quote. Atheists fall into the philosophical error of scientism. That's a new word I'm going to introduce. What is scientism? It's the idea that the only thing that counts as knowledge is scientific truths. Those things that can only be known through the scientific method. However, as Catholics, we believe in faith and reason. Faith and reason are like the two wings of a bird. Both are needed to fly straight. They complement one another. St. John Paul II said it this way. He said, Science can purify religion from error and superstition. Religion can purify science from idolatry and false absolutes. Each can draw the other into a wider world, a world in which both can flourish. In other words, St. John Paul II saying, we need both. <laughs> Why? Because both come from God. Now, here's something interesting for those naysayers that think that the Catholic faith is anti-science. And it reminds me of that 2006 movie. There was a wrestling comedy movie called Nacho Libre. Hilarious movie. My wife likes that movie. She's watched it several times, so have I, and we, we get a kick out of it. So there's a Mexican actor who played the role of a skinny, goofy wrestler. He was called Skeleton, or in Spanish, he was called Esqueleto. Esqueleto stated in the movie, Nacho Libre, he said, I don't believe in God, I believe in science. <laughs> this is the thinking error with many young people today. The truth is, there are no real discrepancies between faith and science. Here's what the Catechism of the Catholic Church says about faith and science in paragraph 159. It says, though faith is above reason, there can never be any real discrepancy between faith and reason since the same God who reveals mysteries and infuses faith has bestowed the light of reason on the human mind. God cannot deny himself, nor can truth ever contradict truth. Consequently, methodical research in all areas of knowledge, provided it is carried out in a truly scientific manner and does not override moral laws, can never conflict with the Catholic faith because the things of the world and the things of faith derive from the same God. The humble and persevering investigator of the secrets of nature is being led, as it were, by the hand of God in spite of himself. For it is God, the conserver of all things, who made them what they are. So, you know, what is it that atheists believe about human beings? Atheists want us to believe that we're just a collection of cells and molecules that coincidentally came together from some primordial soup. And the question is, do you actually think that we're just a bunch of atoms ruled by deterministic scientific law? 
Are we just a quivering mass of unfulfilled protoplasm? It takes more faith to believe in this molecules to man fairy tale than it takes to believe in a supernatural being called God who created us. Or as the old saying goes, you want us to believe that nobody plus nothing equals everything? That's crazy. So how is science defined? Does the word science, does it have Latin roots? Absolutely. The word science comes from the Latin word sire, S-C-I-R-E. Sire in Latin, which means to know. This is reasoning from fundamental principles about the causes, effects, and relationships amongst things. Historians of science, such as Pierre Duhem, credits medieval Catholics, such as John Buridan, Nicole Oresme, and Roger Bacon, as the founders of modern science and the scientific method. Science came from men of faith. They saw no contradiction between their faith and science. So, let me go back to that list of incredible lay Catholic scientists and how they have changed Western civilization, I dare say planet Earth forever. Again, I'm going to share with you the many Catholics that have made significant contributions to the development of science and mathematics from the Middle Ages to the present day. There's 212 of them. Here's another one. American paleontologists at the University of Pennsylvania, co-editor of the Dinosauria, widely considered the definitive scholarly reference on dinosaurs. Who gave us that discipline? A Catholic, Peter Dobson. All these scientists are Catholics. Another Catholic, great contributor to science. Ignacy Domico, died in 1889. He was a Polish scientist who made major contributions to the study of Chile's geography, geology, and mineralogy. Christian Doppler died in 1853. He was a Catholic Austrian physicist. All these scientists are Catholics. I won't even say that no more. They're all Catholics. He was an Austrian physicist and mathematician who enunciated the Doppler effect. Then you have Peter Duhem. Died in 1916. He was the historian of science who made important contributions to hydrodynamics, elasticity, and thermodynamics. Then we have Felix Dujardin. He was a biologist remembered for his research on protozoans and other invertebrates, became a devout Catholic later in life and was known to read The Imitation of Christ. Then we have Jean-Baptiste Dumas, died in 1884. He was a chemist who established new values for the atomic mass of 30 elements. Then we have André Dumont. He died in 1857. 
He was a Belgian geologist who prepared the first geological map of Belgium and named many of the subdivisions of the Cretaceous and Tertiary. We have Charles Dupin, died in 1873. He's a mathematician who discovered the Dupin Cyclide and the Dupin Indicatrix. Then we have John Eccles. He died in 1997. He was awarded the Nobel Prize in Medicine for his work on the synapse. Then we have Stephen Endlicher, died in 1849. He was a botanist who formulated a major system of plant classification. Then we have Bartolomeo Eustachi, died in 1574. He's one of the founders of human anatomy. I hear the music. I will continue in the segment three and four, giving you the names of incredible Catholic scientists who have made major breakthroughs in Western civilization. We wouldn't be where we're at right now if it wasn't for these great Catholic minds. Stick around, Jesus 911. I'm writing solo today, but I'm never solo. My shotgun writer is the Holy Spirit. We'll be right back. Stick around. Great things about the Catholic faith. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911, what is the 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 Bible verse that that's the guiding force for this program? It's Psalm 69 verse 2. God come to my assistance, Lord make haste to help me. Psalm 69, verse 2. That's why this show is called Jesus 911. Uh, of course, I'm also retired law enforcement. My wife's a retired nurse. My, my, Monday, my Tuesday, Thursday partner, he's a retired cop as well. I've had retired cops here doing the show with me, Eddie Chavez, Ruben Nava. <clears throat> and so that's also another reason why we call it Jesus 911. Retired law enforcement, retired nurse. All of us first responders serving the Lord Jesus Christ for the last couple of decades, actually. But Psalm 69 verse 2 really defines, defines the show because every one of us, when we're in any type of uh, need, when we need any type of assistance or any type of help, call out to Jesus. That's the point of this show, teaching you to reach out to Jesus. He's the answer to the mess we're in. So... I'm giving you the great giants of science, and the vast majority of them happen to be Catholic. The ones that are, Catholics are the smartest scientists in the world. When you look at the list of people from other religions that have, that have contributed something, the Catholic Church's list dwarfs everybody else. Now, the Jews have produced some pretty good scientists as well, Jews and Catholics, so, to be sure. But because the Catholics are more numerous, uh, we have more scientific giants in the Catholic Church than, than the Jews have. But let me continue with these great Catholic movers and shakers in the world of science. Jean-Henri Fabre died in 1915. He was a naturalist, entomologist, and science writer. Uh, he wrote a book called The Homer of Insects. Then we have, this name's kind of hard to pronounce, Hieronymus Fabristius died in 1619. He's the father of what? Embryology. Then we have Gabriel Filiopio, died in 1562. 
He's the pioneer of Italian anatomists who studied the human ear and reproductive organs. Then we have Mary Celine Fassenmeyer. She died in 1996. She was a religious sister and mathematician, founder of Sister Celine's polynomials. Then we have Herve Fay, died in 1902. He was an astronomer whose discovery of the periodic comet, uh, R.P. Fay, won him the 1844 Lalande Prize and membership in the French Academy of Sciences. Then we have Pierre de Fermat. He died in 1665. He is, uh, he is the number theorist who contributed to the early development of calculus. Then we have Enrico Fermi, died in 1954. Awarded the Nobel Prize in Physics for his work in induced radioactivity. We have Jean Fernel, died in 1558, physician who introduced the term physiology. All these are Catholics, by the way, so I'm not even going to say that. They're all Catholics. We have Fibonacci, Fibonacci, died in 1250. He popularized the Hindu Arabic numerals in Europe and discovered the Fibonacci sequence. Then we have Hippolyte Fizeau, died in 1896. This uh, first person to determine experimentally the velocity of light. Wow. Then we have Lawrence Flick, died in 1938, American physician who pioneered research and treatment of tuberculosis. Then we have Philip G. Fothergill. He's a British biologist and historian of science. Leon Foucauld died in 1868, invented the Foucault pendulum to measure the effect of the Earth's rotation. Dang, these are some smart guys. These are some smart dudes, some smart Catholics. Then we have Joseph von Fraunhofer. He discovered Fraunhofer lines in the sun's spectrum. Then we have Augustine Jean Fresnel, died in 1827. He made significant contributions to the theory of wave optics. Then we have Johann Nepomuk von Fuchs, died in 1856. He's confirmed the stoichiometric laws and observed isomorphism and the Cassian exchange of zeolites. Then we have Luigi Galvani, died in 1798. He formulated formulated the theory of animal electricity. Then we have Dorothy Ann Elizabeth Garrod, died in 1968, an archaeologist who specialized in the Paleolithic period. Then we have William Gascogioni. He uh, died in 1644. He developed the first micrometer. Then we have Riccardo Giacconi. He died in 2018. He was a Nobel, Nobel Prize winning astrophysicist. Heck, I can't even say some of these words. These guys are so smart. 
who laid the foundations of X-ray astronomy. Then we have Paula Gonzalez, died in 2016. She was a religious sister and professor of biology, who made major breakthroughs in biology. Then we have Peter Grunberg. He died in 2018. He was a German physicist, Nobel Prize in Physics laureate. Then we have Johannes Gutenberg, died in 1468. He's the inventor of the printing press, where we got the Bible, the first Bible from. Thank you, Johann Gutenberg. Then we have Paul Guthnick, died in 1947. He was an astronomer who pioneered the application of, of photoelectric methods to the measurement of the brightness of celestial bodies. Then we have Samuel uh, Steeman Haldeman, died in 1880. He was an American naturalist and convert to Catholicism who researched freshwater molas, the human voice, Amerindian dialects, and the organs of sounds of, index, of insects. Excuse me. The organs of sound of, sound of insects. Then we have Jean Baptiste Julien d'Ahaloy. Say that three times fast. Died in 1875. He's one of the pioneers of modern geology. Then we have Morgan Hebard. Died in 1946. He was an American entomologist who described over 800 new species of ortho, orthoteroids and compiled an etymological collection of over 250,000 specimens. Then we have Edmund Heiss. Died in 1877. He was an astronomer who contributed the the first delineation of the Milky Way. Then we have Ion Baptiste van Helmont, died in 1644, founder of pneumatic chemistry. Then we have Karl Hersfeld, died in 1978, Austrian-American physicist who provided the first fundamental explanation of the mechanism of the absorption of sound by molecules. Then we have Victor Franz Hess, died in 1964, Austrian-American physicist and Nobel laureate in physics who discovered cosmic rays. Then we have George D. Hevesi, died in 1966. He's a Hungarian radio chemist and Nobel laureate. Again, I just want to remind you, all these men are Roman Catholic. Then we have Charles Hermitti, died in 1901. He was a mathematician who did research on number theory, quadratic forms, elliptic functions, and algebra. Then we have John Philip Holland, died in 1914. He developed the first submarine to be formally commissioned by the U.S. Navy. Wow, a Catholic did that. Unbelievable. We have Antoine Laurent de Jesus, died in 1836. First to propose a natural classification of flowering plants. Then we have Carl Curley, died in 1996. He's a Benedictine monk of Buckfast Abbey, England, a beekeeper, world's authority on bee, on bee breeding, and the, the developer of the Buckfast Bee. Then we have Mary Kenneth Keller, died in 1985, sister of charity and first American woman to earn a PhD in computer science and help develop the program BASIC. Yep, help develop the program BASIC. Unbelievable. So there's even several women in this list here 
of great Catholic scientists and great Catholic minds. We have Annie Chambers Ketchum, died in 1904, convert to the to Catholicism, and botanists who published botany for academies and colleges consisting of plant development and structure from seaweed to clematis. We have Mary Marie Victorin Kuriak. Kuriak. She died in 1944. Christian brother and botanist best known as the father of the Jardin Botanique de Montreal. Then we have Brian Kobilka, died in 1955. He was an American Nobel Prize winning professor who taught at Stanford University School of Medicine. Then we have Carl Kreil, died in 1862, meteorologist and astronomer who conducted important studies of terrestrial magnetism. Then we have Stephanie Kwolek, uh, who died in 2014, a chemist who developed Kevlar at DuPont in 1965. And so again, Kevlar is what bulletproof vests are made of. We have Rene Lenec died in 1826, a physician who invented the stethoscope. <laughs> How practical is that? Wow, these are some smart Catholic scientists. I'll continue giving the list of Catholics that have made major breakthroughs in the world of science. Wow. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm proud to be a Catholic. We'll be right back. Jesus 911, stick around. One man car, Holy Spirit, riding shotgun today. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Month of March, month of St. Joseph, and all your prayers with St. Joseph Terror Demons, pray for us. And all your prayers, the month of March with St. Joseph Terror Demons, pray for us. I'm giving to you a list of the greatest Catholic scientists that have ever lived that have made major breakthroughs in Western civilization in the field of science. There is no other religion that has produced the minds in science like the Roman Catholic Church. Let me continue with the list. Joseph Louis Lagrange died in 1813. He was a mathematician and astronomer known for Lagrangian points and Lagrangian mechanics. We have Jean-Baptiste Lamarck, French naturalist, biologist, and academic whose theories on evolution preceded those of Darwin. Then we have uh, Johann von Lamont, 1879, died in 1879. He's an astronomer and physicist who studied the magnetism of the Earth and was first and the, the first to calculate the mass of Uranus. Then we have Carl Landsteiner, died in 1943, Nobel Prize winner who identified and classified the human blood types. Then we have Pierre-André Luttrell died in 1833. He's a pioneer in entomology. Then we have Antoine Lavoisier, died in 1794, father of modern chemistry. We have Claude Nicolas Lacat, died in 1768, invented or perfected several instruments for lycotomy, lyco lycotomy, and was one of the first adherents of a mechanistic approach to physiology. 
Then we have George Louis de Buffon, died in 1788, one of the pioneers of natural history, especially through his monumental work, Histori Naturali. Yep, his monumental work. Again, I'm sharing this with you because I want to show you that Catholicism, uh, faith and science are, are not incompatible. In fact, they work in harmony. These are perfect examples of them. Xavier Le Pichon died in 1937. He was a French geophysicist known for his comprehensive model of plate tectonics, helping create the field of plate tectonics in measuring earthquakes. You have Jérôme Lejeune, died in 1994. He was a pediatrician and geneticist, best known for his discovery for the link of diseases to chromosome abnormalities. Then we have Jacques Jean Lemerte. He's a French neurologist and neuropsychiatrist, clinical director at Salpeteri Hospital, died in 1959. <clears throat> then we have Andre Lichnerwitz, died in 1998. He was a French differential geometer and mathematical physicist, considered the founder of of modern poison geometry. Then we have Carl August Lawson, died in 1893. He was a geologist who mapped and described the Hartz Mountains. Then we have Jonathan Lunine. He's uh, died in 1959. He's a planetary scientist at the forefront of research into planet formation, evolution, habitability, served as vice president of the Society of Catholic Scientists, then we have William James McNevin, died in 1841, Irish-American physicist and chemist who was an early proponent of atomic theory. We have Juan Martin Malcedani, died in 1968. He's an Argentine theoretical physicist, first Carl Feinberg professor of theoretical physics in the Institute for Advanced Studies, the School of Natural Science and Proponents of ADS, CFT, Correspondence. Then we have Marcelo Malpighi, died in 1694, father of comparative physiology. We have Etienne Louis Malus, discovered the polarization of light, died in 1812. We have Anna Mirandi, Manzolini died in 1774, an, an anatomist and anatomical wax artist who lectured at the University of Bologna. Now we have Giovanni Manzolini died in 1755, anatomical wax artist and professor of anatomy at the University of Bologna. Then we have Guglielmo Marsconi, Died in 1937, father of wireless technology and radio transmission. Man, these are some smart Catholics. Wow. Luigi Ferdinando Marsili died in 1730, one of the founders of modern oceanography. Then we have Pierre Louis Mapertus, died in 1759 known for the Mapertus Principle and for being the first president of the Berlin Academy of Science. We have Michel Mercati, died in 1593, 
one of the first to recognize prehistoric stone tools as man-made. Then we have Charles Misner, died in 1932, American cosmologist dedicated to the study of general relativity. We have Kenneth Miller, died in 1948, an American cell biologist and molecular biologist who teaches, who taught at Brown University. Then we have Mario J. Molina, died in 2020. He was a Mexican chemist, one of the precursors to the discovery of the Antarctic ozone hole. He was also a 1995 Nobel Prize winner in chemistry. We have Peter Joseph Maloney, died in 1989. He was a Canadian immunologist and pioneering vaccine researcher who worked out the first large-scale purification of insulin in 1922, International Gardner Award in 1967. Then we have Gaspard Manji, died in 1818. He's the father of descriptive geometry. Then we have John J. Montgomery, 1911. He's the American physicist and inventor of gliders and aerodynamics. Then we have Giovanni Battisti Morgani, died in 1771, father of modern anatomical pathology. We have Marston Morse, died in 1977, inventor of Morse of the Morse theory, one of the original members of the Institute for Advanced Study. We have Johannes Peter Mueller, died in 1858, founder of modern physiology. We have Joseph Murray, died in 2012. He's a Nobel Peace uh, Prize winner in medicine, in, 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 in medicine laureate. Then we have John von Neumann, died in 1957, Hungarian-born, American mathematician, and polymath who converted to Catholicism. Then we have Charles Nicole, died in 1936, French bacteriologist who received the 1928 Nobel Prize in Medicine for, the, for his identification of lice as the transmitter of epidemic typhus came back to the Catholic Church at the end of his life. Martin Nowak died in 1965, an evolutionary theorist and director of the Program for Evolutionary Dynamics at Harvard University, serves on the board of the Society of Catholic Scientists. We have Naol O. Glacane, Died in 1653, Irish physician who worked to treat victims of bubonic plague outbreaks in various places throughout Europe. He was a pioneer in pathological anatomy. We have Karen Oberg, 19, died in 1982. Her, her Oberg astrochemistry group discovered the first complex organic molecule in a protoplanetary disk. She serves on the board of the Society of Catholic Scientists. We have Abraham Ortelius died in 1598, created the first modern atlas and theorized on continental drift. We have Jean-Michel Oghaurlian, died in 1940, Armenian, French neuropsychiatrist and psychologist, presidents of the Association of Doctors of the American Hospital of Paris, honorary member of the Association of Researchers. Then we have, here's one that's uh, very common to a lot of people, even to myself, that's not in the world of science. Blaise Pascal died in 1662, French mathematician, 
physicist, inventor, writer, and philosopher. Here's another one that's familiar to me. Louis Pasteur died in 1895, the father of bacteriology. Some smart dudes, man. Christopher J. Payne died in 1998, a biology professor at biology professor at Malone University and long-term long-term forest ecologist. I don't know how many more I'll have a chance. Okay, I got about a few, about one more minute. We have also Pierre Joseph Pelletier co-discovered strychnine, caffeine, quinine, synchonine, and many other discovers, discoveries in chemistry. We have George von Purbach, died in 1461, called the father of mathematical and observational astronomy in the West. We have Gabriola Paoli, died in 1850, Italian physicist and mathematician who made fundamental contributions to continuum mechanics. Michael Pollyani, died in 1976, Hungarian polymath, made contributions to physical chemistry, economics, and philosophy. We have Giambattista de Aporta, died in 1615, Italian polymath, made contributions to agriculture, hydraulics, military engineering, and pharmacology. And last, we have Pierre Passu, died in 1928, French astronomer who created a photographic atlas of the moon. I'll continue next week, one more week, with some of these great... These are smart dudes. These are the smartest scientists in the world, and they're Catholic. They're Catholic. I'll tell you one scientist that will never be on this list of the smartest Catholics in Western civilization is Anthony Fauci, or as my wife calls him, Anthony Fucci. Anthony Fucci, that's what she calls him. He'll never be on this list. In fact, he'll, he'll, uh, he'll be on a short list of, uh, of people that uh, helped destroy planet Earth. But as I went through this list, I hope that your soul's becoming inflamed with, man, I'm proud to be a Catholic, proud in a good sense, not in a di- diabolical or sinful sense. Any fair historian will admit the Catholic contribution to the scientific revolution was pivotal and second to none. That's a wrap. My name is Jesse Romero. One man car on Mondays. Holy Spirit's riding shotgun me all the time. That's uh, we are end of watch. EOW. Up next, Gary Machuda hands on apologetics. Stay tuned for the big guy coming to you from the, the Midwest Command Center. Just happy to have him on board of, on VMPR. He, he's such a. Uh, he, he provides such a service to us. And we'll see you next time. Same Christ time, same Christ channel. God bless you. Keep the faith. Don't forget, month of St. Joseph. End all your prayers by St. Saint, Saint Joseph, terror of demons. Pray for us. Amen. Amen.